0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Copper Files podcast. I am Kemi Adiroji, your host for this beautiful podcast. In this podcast, we'll be talking about everything and anything NYC. So sit back, relax, and get comfortable, because this is going to be an amazing ride. Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you so much for tuning back on the Copper Class Podcast. My name is Fukemi adiriju and today we have an amazing guest, as always, with us. His name is Obina Gabriel, but he's going to introduce himself a little bit later. He is actually an NYSE honours awardee, which is very, very interesting. So we're going to be having a conversation about his NYSE experience, which I think is a very, very special and interesting one. So, Obina, hi. Welcome to the Copper Cross podcast.
1: Uh, hello, everyone. Good evening.
0: Yeah, good evening. Um, can you briefly introduce yourself and tell us who you are?
1: I am Obina Gabriel. Uh, I am from Enugu State, is a South local government precisely. Uh, schooled in the University of Benin, Edo State, and did my youth service in Kwara State. Uh, presently, I am on the School of Politics, Policy, and Governance team. And, uh, yeah, coupled with other um, community project efforts that I do on the side. Yeah, That's pretty much a summary of who I am. <laughs> well, it's that's great a... to be on the show. Thanks for having me.
0: And thank you for coming on. That sounds really, really interesting. Okay, we're going to start off pretty easy, right? Um, you said you served in Quara State. How was your camp experience like, right? But we're going to start off with your journey. How was the journey to Quara State like?
1: Wow. I have not been to Quara State before youth service. It was my first time. In fact, when I saw, when I got uh, the posting letter and saw that I've been posted to Quara, I was like, God, how do I, how do I navigate this thing? Right. You know, like other core members, I had uh, there. There were some states, you know, states that in quote we call juicy states. Those were like some of the, the expectations I had. I don't want to mention some states now, so I don't. I don't spite some people. Right. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get to. I didn't get to see any of those states. I saw Quara. Honestly, it, it was unexpected.
2: Wow.
1: I wasn't expecting it. So when I saw it, the journey was the first thing that bothered me because uh-huh. uh it was 2021 you know we we're just recovering from from covid, the whole COVID something and yeah the, the whole atmosphere was still tense then so so when i saw the the posting well i had to accept it from in COVID. good faith because i prayed before doing the application and said to god wherever place i see I would go without objection. So when I saw Quara, it wasn't easy to accept at first, but I said, come on, I've prayed about this thing. So yeah. let's just go ahead and, and accept it. So on wow. my, for my journey to Quara, uh, I was in Lagos at the time. Uh, from Lagos to Quara is uh, like a five-hour journey by road. Oh, So yeah, when I got into Inlarin, the first thing I noticed was the, the colors of the the taxi the cab uh it had some of uh, uh my favorite colors so that was the first thing that made me in a sort of like the place just the color of their taxi what and, was the color uh, green and yellow green is actually my favorite color but those uh that combination i really like it. <laughs> so nice the... <laughs> yeah so when i saw the color of the taxi i just yeah, that was the first point of ease I got. Oh, wow, okay. I'm in mean, my place. Uh-huh. So uh, straight down to camp from where uh, I dropped when I got to Loring was another 1 hour, 30 minutes. Oh. That's to Yipata in Quara State. And that was where the whole camp experience started from
0: amazing wow so it sounds like you had quite a journey so apart from like seeing the green and yellow taxis when you got to um ilori what what exactly in camp did you see that made you realize that whoa i'm
1: actually in this for real okay uh first off i won't tell you there is anything i saw in camp that made okay except for the obs which is you know, ubiquitous. Oh, I I read mass communication, so when I saw that oh, there's actually uh, a spot where I can you know I can uh, still do some. Yeah. Do, so, uh-huh. I was I was amongst the very first set of persons who applied to the you know OBS. to join them. yes yeah, and luckily for me, I was picked, and um, I had I handled some sessions. In fact. My sessions were were some of the, uh, it was one of the uh, most anticipated because of how, uh, just some of the things I put together to present during the session. So the OVDS was one of the things I I loved about camp. But generally, uh, camp experience is not something I I love. <laughs> the, yes, the first challenge is waking up, those waking hours, waking yes. especially in the the day. I am not a nocturnal person. So anything that that's, uh, deprives me of sleep, I don't like it at all. So having to wake up 4 a.m., 3 a.m., for fear of so just, ah, man.
2: I hated it as
1: well. Uh, I didn't like that at all. At all. And there's this, you know, the, the fear of uh, being caught up in in the the hostels and yeah and then the you get punished I, uh, so so that was a major struggle for me and like some of the persons who really depended on the free meals would get in camp the meals weren't they weren't something i i think about and i'm delighted it's not something to to tell friends about the meals were were wonderful in quotes.
0: <laughs> wonderful in quotes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So generally camp, it was interesting, but it's not something I miss.
0: Really? <laughs> so what you say was like your, let's start from your worst experience. What would you say was your worst experience in camp and then your best experience at camp?
1: Oh, my worst experience. Worst. Uh, look, I think the worst would be, yes, uh, few days before you know there's this um what's that week called this that week where we have is it carnival week or something yeah the um cultural Aha. carnival so during camp i goes by god's grace i was the camp i was uh my pl i was our platoon leader oh, and i had so many responsibilities so uh in the event leading to that carnival week I had to make preparations for the clothes we were to wear that day because we Mm. did this. We we customized our shirts purple color. And they say, you know, there's this tie and dye design. Oh
0: yeah, we did that that, in our uh, camp as
1: well. Yeah, so we did that for my platoon. Uh, The night to that day that we were to use those shirts, the person who was producing it for us took, he took all, he delayed and took all the time. So I had to stay with him at the Mami market because that's where his shop,
0: yeah. his shop
1: was. But I had to stay there for him to finish everything that night because we were, we were 100 and I think 120 something, either 127 wow. or so in my platoon and a good number of persons, uh, uh you know, showed interest in in the clothes so there was a lot to do that night so as i was waiting as hungry as i was that night it started raining
2: oh my and God. when i we went
1: to camp because it, it was uh the, the rainy period so it was raining so heavily that we started seeing signs of flood it wasn't like the water was stagnant but it was flowing heavily that's like a river was passing and the wow the tracks of, of the rainwater passed through the shop of that man. So Ooh. as heavy as the water was, it almost carried me away that night. <laughs> I really <didn't, and laughs> it, was, it was really scary because I thought I would, have, I would have been swept by the rain that night, but God saved me. And I mean, yeah, well, the rest well, is Yeah, So that, that would be my worst experience in camp. Wow. Well,
2: sometimes
0: mm-hmm. I always wonder, like people posted to camp during the rainy season, how they actually mm. cope. I can't wait to have a guest that was posted during that time because you know, like standing under the rain, you know, not said in the rain, in the sun. So we've experienced the mm. sun where you have like two different colors in your arm because of the sun yeah. born. But in the rain, mm. that's a whole different ballgame because you'll be drenched all of that. But what would you now say mm-hmm. was your best experience at camp if you have any?
1: My best experience in camp is on the carnival day when we lifted about two, uh, no, two or three trophies. Ooh. And why it's my why it's my best uh, moment is when the whole competition started. You know this interplatoon competition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I am I am someone who okay. Let me say I'm a go getter and I I like to win. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when I'm winning. So, uh, before the start of the competition, I was there's this high spirit. You know, I, I had to really motivate my platoon members. Uh, I was able to get them to voluntarily make contributions so we can get everything we needed to excel in every of the competition. Mm-hmm. So when it's when the competition started, our first two or three games, uh, two or three games, we lost woefully. <laughs> Wow. I think the first one, I think the first one was uh the volleyball competition for for our girls. Ha, ah, we lost that match and everybody was feeling, you know, everybody were majority of us were not happy. Yeah, and that was just the first the first game of the whole competition. You wow. know what it's like when you're going into something and you start failing at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it was it wasn't funny at all. Even when uh you, you would know about this Mr. Macho and Miss. Yeah, uh, NYC. The only person who would have represented us for Mr. Macho, you know, they always, uh, I think a majority, sorry, a major uh, criterion is having a guy who is muscular, yeah. who is very fit. We had just one person in our platoon at the time who could represent us. But days to that particular competition, he had issues with, uh, I think, his posting or something, and they said he he needed to leave camp immediately. Wow! And that was how the guy left. We became stranded. So I didn't know what to do. We had uh, another guy who, he's 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 a very cute guy, but he was not muscular. <laughs> so we said, guy, let us see. let us see if your face can can <laughs> help us <laughs> win. You don't have the face, you don't have the body, but let... <laughs> honestly, it was. It was a, I don't know how to describe it, because they really laughed at us that night when they were introducing other platoons. And when us <laughs> came up, one skinny guy with <laughs> with fine face showed up. But he, he didn't want to do it at first, but I had to. Uh, let's see, I, I there's a way I, I can, you know, Persuade. get someone to do it. Aha, yeah, that's persuasive ability. Even after the competition was over, he had to say he didn't know when he agreed to do such. <laughs> we did not win that competition, but it was uh, it was it was fun for us seeing how we could uh, how we could uh, improvise with the yeah. situation we had at the time. So during the major the the main carnival itself, we took first position in comedy. Uh, we took a uh, second position in cooking. And we took, uh, we took I think we took third in baking also. But we lifted two trophies that night. And for some persons who have been laughing at us from the beginning because we're feeling, they joined us to celebrate that day. So it was really <laughs> my best moment.
0: That's yeah. really amazing. Sounds
1: yeah. like. Yeah, commendations from my, from my Platoon members who really appreciated um, my efforts and that of um, those who helped coordinate the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So Sounds like you had um, a
0: wholesome camp experience. And like, that's really, really interesting. Thank God you
1: didn't yeah. carry this. When point. you say wholesome, I was Platoon leader. I was also a member of the camp court. You know, uh, for the for camp court, there are only, I don't know how it is done elsewhere, but for Yipata camp during my set, it was only two persons, only two core members that could be part of the camp court. And those two core members must be Platoon leaders. So it was myself and uh, I think the uh, uh, Platoon one leader. It was just the both of us. I was selected to join Camp Court. So it was really, uh, should I say it was something something uh, worth celebrating for me. Yeah. Because it was like the... You know the there was this commendation that came with you know some of the responsibilities i was able to handle with those positions mm-hmm. i was privileged to get yeah so, that's so it really, was really wholesome.
0: that's really really beautiful I'm, I'm actually excited to hear this because you know most people run away from responsibilities but that's really amazing so i'm going to dive into like the main thing about this conversation your PPA experience. So I know that on the last day of camp, that's when you get your posting letter and everything. So when you got your letter and you saw where you were posted, how was your reaction and where were you posted? Uh,
1: The tension leading to, you know, seeing where we posted to was really high at the time because Mm. in Quara. As of the time everybody was praying to be posted to Ilan. You know, Ilonri is the capital city.
0: Yeah. And that
1: is where that's where the life is. Mm-hmm. If you if you talk about Quara State, Ilanry is it's just like when you when you speak of uh uh okay I don't know what example to cite now but Qua- Ilanry is the life the life uh yeah. the life of the party as far yeah. as Kwara is concerned <laughs> so everybody was praying for Ilonri at the time and I had to zero my mind when I, when I made this application, there were places I had in mind and Quara that I didn't expect showed up. So let me just zero my mind. But when I saw the letter, it was Iloni. It was Iloni East. Yeah. Iloni East. There's Iloni South. There is Iloni West and there's Iloni East. So mine was Iloni East and I was really glad that it wasn't because Everybody who sees a place and it's not laundry, there's this, you know, there's how their countenance, their 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 face shows it automatically that where they've been posted to, they don't really like it as far as far as it's not laundry. So when I saw Iloni on mine, well, I said, "Ah, oh, okay, this is a big win." So it was uh, it was wonderful, and that was where the whole journey started. Wow. I think that'll be the next session you'll be going into.
0: Yeah. Um, so you finally got your letter and you're posted to Illinois. Thank God, right? So were you posted to Thank a
1: school? You. Yes. And that's another wonderful thing about my posting. I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and I was posted to an Islamic school. Wow. Imam Hamzat College. No, Imam Hamzat Islamic Model College. Yeah, that's the full name of the school. So as I was jubilating that I saw Ilanri, when I saw the name as well, I said, wow. And what what, uh, really got to me was when I looked at the address, the school is situated inside the mosque, inside Imam Hamzat Mosque. I said, my goodness, how am I going to handle this? So all through the journey from camp back to Iloni. Those were the things on my the main the main things on my thoughts. How would I like how I didn't I didn't know what to expect. I was in a new city in a new state. Now I would be in a new environment for one year. Okay, not fully one year again as of that time, but yeah. So those were the things that that populated uh, my thoughts. Yeah. Till we got to to the place. So
0: when you finally got there, what happened? Did you, was it different from what you expected? Was it way better than you thought?
1: On the contrary, when I got there, the reception was quite warm. Hmm. I met the principal of the school, Mr. Abdu, Mr. Abdu-Majid Sheyi. Uluru Koba, yeah. Wow, I'm trying to say his name fully because when I when we finally go into uh, the later aspect of of this podcast, you would hear how he played a major role and how the entire NYC experience turned out. That. So that's a name I'm not going to forget in a hurry. Yeah. So Mister Abdul Majid. Uluwashi, Ulu that was my uh, principal of the PPA.
2: Mm.
1: And he was the first person I met on my arrival at the PPA. Wow. So when I got there, I I saw him at the balcony. The school is uh, a two-story building. I saw him at, at the last floor. Uh, I waved at him, greeted him, good morning. Sir. He said I should come upstairs. So when I got there, uh, as a communication student, I, I had to look for a way to, you know, to start. I had to look for a way to relate with him and knowing that where I was, was uh, uh, a Yoruba uh, community. Yeah. Uh, all this little Yoruba I could speak at the time. I just started to bring everything out. After I greeting him, he wanted to introduce me to the teachers, and uh, I think one of the first questions they asked him, I can't remember clearly, is if, he under, if I understood Yoruba, and I was quick to say, ah, Mugoyoba, so they all, <laughs> they, all, <laughs> they all laughed, and that was where our bonding started from. Yeah, so the reception was quite warm.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. You know, early on when you started talking, you mentioned something about you—you know, you being a Christian and being posted to an Islamic school. Did that later on pose as a challenge for you?
1: Not at all. In fact, that is where you know it—it—it it, it had to consolidate one of the ideologies I have. We—we we are not. We are only different when we say we are
2: mm-hmm.
1: regardless of the the differences we have especially ethnic and religious beliefs we only you know make ourselves different with such identities if we allow it but all through my stay there there was never a time it was an issue or a problem and to my surprise there were times they called me to pray in their midst like Uh, when one of our staff gave birth, when we went for a visit, uh, I think during one of our uh, student hall sessions, there were some occasions they called me to pray in my Christian way. So whenever they call me, I would take another look at the principal, because the school is is in a mosque, as I mentioned. I didn't know, I needed to be very careful with whatever I say, and so whenever they call me to pray, I would I would look at him. I would tell him, "Ah no, come on, come on, no problem, no problem." I pray, and when I start with in the name of Jesus, all of them will say, hey, "Amen." I say, "Wow, wow!" <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, so, so I, 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 I cannot, I cannot quantify the kind of joy, you know, I have from serving in a in that PPU. That is why, I, I. I'm glad that before I went for posting, I actually asked God to, you know, take me to where He believes is where I will do so, I will make an impact. Yeah. So when I saw all of the places, I had no doubt because okay, I've prayed about this thing. There is no way uh, God will not be doing this intentionally. So when I even saw where this the PPA was situated, I oh okay, I believe this is also intentional. So so, yeah.
0: That's absolutely amazing. Like the fact that there wasn't even any, you know, issue regarding like um your religion and all of that is so beautiful to hear about because you know people have perceptions and all of that. And like you said, you really don't know till you're in that position and we're really um in sync and like a huge community, which is one of the I think one of the goals NYS even had from the jump to foster national unity and promote peace and all of that. Yes. Okay, so when you started working in the school, how was the experience like? What subjects did you teach? How many times in the week did you teach? I'd like to know all of that.
1: Mm. Okay, so uh, when I started, they they didn't assign me to a particular class Okay. because when I joined them, they were in their, their third term. Yes, thought time. And I think it was just about a month or some weeks to exams. So all I needed to do at that time was take every available subject. Uh, the, I, I took literature. I took uh, mathematics. I took civic education. I took uh, English language. I took, uh, I think, one other. Oh wow. And it was a secondary school, so from GSS one to SS3. You covered the However, when when we resumed for the new session, I had to focus on just one particular subject that I would you know that I would give my best to that I know I have I have a lot to to teach about and I know I have a fair knowledge of um that had to be civic education okay and it was civic education because as I was serving in Naigami at the time I was also a student at the school of politics policy and governance uh, the SPPG is it's it's a virtual institution so whenever I'm done with class during the day because uh, class at the SPPG starts at 6 p.m so whenever I'm done at my PPA during the day, say 4 p.m., when I get back home, I resume my own class from 6 p.m. So, hearing the the name of the school alone, politics, policy, and governance, there was a lot I had to give to the students at the time, and yeah. civic education was that subject that could really, you know, uh, that you know looked like an offshoot. Of what I was being taught in the SPPG at the time, so I had to f- focus on civic education for senior secondary SS one to SS three. Yeah, That's and amazing. I was going to school. Uh, uh, that was every day now, except for the days when I had to go for PTA. I have to go for. I had to go for. CDS. Yeah. But I think I was given three times a week, yeah. Three times a week, I remember clearly. But no, I didn't. I wasn't confined to you know a part, just one particular routine. I was in school whenever I needed to be, and
2: yeah, that was it.
1: Oh, so when you were not in school, did you like what
0: were you up to? Did you have like how was your social life like? you go
1: out, were you doing other things? Just, you know. Social life, to be very honest, I'm not sure I've, I've had one. <laughs> I'm not sure I've had one. If I was not in school during uh, um, PPA sessions, if I was not having my classes in the evenings at the SPPG, I would either be at my CDS, we had CDS on Thursdays, and again, I was president of CDS. Yeah. So the responsibilities did not end at, at CAM. Mm-hmm. I carried it forward even when the service started proper. So I was president of our CDS, Cultural and Tourism, and there was a lot on me at the time. So if I was not in my PPA I was either having my classes at SPPG or I'm at the CDS or I'm in church. So, social life, to be very honest, I, <laughs> I didn't really have that. <laughs> and oh, wow. I think uh, uh, another contributor to that was the the projects that I went on to undertake at the
0: time. Yeah. We're going to speak so, about that in a little bit, But before, because that's in the next topic. But before we get to that, I would like to hear. About how accommodation was like. So, did you have to rent a place, or did the PPA provide accommodation for you? Because you know, like you said, you didn't know anyone there, and you just got to. Para.
1: Yes. So the the PPA they provided a bungalow behind the school. I think okay. it's uh, it has it has six. Uh, a room self contained. Okay. Just it's it's just a one block. With six uh, self-contained rooms, so I was in one of it, and I was the only member during my set who stayed. Who stayed back. there? Yeah, the other tenants. I think they were just. Uh, uh, okay, one was a staff of the school. Okay, both of them were staff of the school. Yeah, so we're just three or so. In that in that bungalow so it was right behind the school and that was where I stayed
0: well, that's nice was it would you say it was accommodating accommodation uh,
1: uh, well I I would say you know you can't have all the all the luxury you you would want so I wouldn't want to <laughs> I would not want to yeah say that's it understandable I don't know, but it was I could stay there. Let me put it that way. It was a place I could stay all through the time I served there.
0: Yeah. So how was feeding like? Did you cook a lot or were you always buying food?
1: Wow. Cooking is one of the, one of the weapons fashioned against me because (laughs) I don't know how. (laughs) I've, I've done my best to learn how to cook perfectly. I... And that, that service period was actually uh, the time I had to develop my, my culinary skills. But it wasn't come out as perfect as, as I would want. But I was cooking most of the times. Yeah. And the, the idea is, however it turned out, you have to eat I it. ate it So, <laughs> And believe me, uh, there were times it was horrible. But there is this... You know when you know you are coming from, you can't afford to waste food. So, however, it is, it was, <laughs> so so I cooked majority of the times. I can count the very few times I I ate out
2: mm-hmm.
1: because even where the community was, uh, it was uh. Before you can get to when before you can come out to, like the main city, the main city like areas you would need to take, okay, let me just say it's a distance from Mm -hmm. where the school was. Uh So right there in the community, there wasn't really anybody anybody who was, if I can remember clearly, who was selling food. Okay, Mm -hmm. except for where children do buy theirs during break time, but I wasn't patronizing them. So I had to cook whatever I could cook all through that period and I ah, thank God I did not die, I did not kill myself, because I mean. <laughs> it would have been it was all of society. Sometimes <laughs> I was cooking nonsense. <laughs> oh wow. Well. Yeah, yeah. i survived it there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. so you spoke a lot about, you know, your experience with cooking and all of that. But you know, in choir seats, right? The so culture is different. It's different from how you grew up. So was there any cultural shock for you? Like something that you were like, oh, wow, this is surprising. And then also, was there anything you really liked about the culture there?
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, that was too surprising. But
2: sorry, I
0: missed that. What did
1: you say? So I say about culture shock. There wasn't anyone that was that was you know so surprising. There was uh I just noticed that the it's already in Yoruba culture the way you greet the elders, you know, and the Imam of the the mosque, whenever. Uh, people go to visit him because he was, he is quite popular in the, in the area. And aside that he's, he's the, the owner of the school. That's my PPA. And aside that school, he also has a college of education. So every now and then, troops of people, you see people trooping into you know, to greet him, to uh, speak with him.
2: Wow. And whenever
1: they gather there, and I'm saying this because I I had to uh, join them in, you know, in seeing him, I think on two or three occasions. And that was during the, the phases of those projects. So oh, okay. on those occasions, whenever I, I go in there, every single person in the room sits on the floor Oh yeah so the it's it isn't like like you go to a person's sitting room and you, you are surrounded by chairs and you you balance on the sofa and, and spread your legs <laughs> <laughs> so you go in there and you sit on the floor so uh that is like a, should i say an an uh, an act of of reverence okay you know, for for his status or something so that wasn't really it, it it's not it's not that way from where i'm coming from mm-hmm. you know as igbo as uh, i have from my upbringing we we don't sit even if it's a you know our parents we don't sit on the floor for them in fact when you sit on the floor they would ah we are not treating you now sit on the sit on the chair so yeah so, uh, that's what i would say would be one of the culture shock and that's why i say it's not so surprising because i know you know the yorubas have this they have their own way of showing reverence. Yes, yeah, that's so that's true. just one of you know, one of the things I noticed. Yeah, that's
0: interesting. So every,
1: other thing, every other thing, was fine. Even I didn't know how to, you know, prepare amala and uh, other Yoruba food. So whenever yeah. I go to the market, I just buy gari and cook some of the disastrous soups that I cook those <laughs> periods. <people, so. laughs> so. So that's it.
0: Wow, beautiful. So now let's we'll get into the beauty of the conversation because, like I said earlier, Obina was an NYC or is an NYC Honors Awardee, right? And for you to get to that position, you have to have done something um impactful in the community and other stuff which he's going to educate us about. So I would like to hear. Exactly how you felt when you like you know got the award before we start talking about the project because if I think if I was in that position I would have screamed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that day happens to be uh, okay during. Uh, I think it was last week or so. There was this trend on Twitter. This you know idon idon when was your yeah. idon moment? So I quoted that tweet and it for me it is the day i won that award wow because in my batch uh we had our our pop was ceremonial you know it it isn't for every set that you Mm -hmm. have a ceremonial pop for but for us it was ceremonial so it was done at the Kwara state stadium and almost the whole place was filled up i'm not sure about the figures but there were about 2000 or so core members and attendees that were there so i wasn't so sure if that award was coming mm-hmm. but i was moved to invite my my mother to witness my my pop oh wow so she was she was seated there in the crowd and after we had done the parade the conventional parade you know we had gone around the stadium and we were now mm-hmm. positioned in the middle. Everybody was seated, the whole place was calm. The uh the I can't remember her position now, but she's the second to the state coordinator. So she okay. mounted the pulpit and started by saying, she started by by you know reading my citation. She said, "Please, who is Obinna Gabriel amongst the co-members there? Can you step forward?" And there was one at that instance who on parade ground, and mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, this all this military stuff. You cannot be on, according to what they were told those times. You cannot be on at ease because they had we had stopped the parade. They had put all. I was part of those who did the, the match march past. You know, it's not every co-member yeah. who joins it. Uh-huh. So I was part of those who did the match pass. So I was on the field. We were all on our tease and she called my name from the podium there and asked me to step forward. Hey, God. I didn't know whether to did walk he... out. Or okay. what I had to <laughs> And we had soldiers so who we were standing on the side. So I started uh, marching left, right. <laughs> to come out of the, you know, of... Uh... That's to stand right there in the middle of everyone's view. Wow. And she started reading my citation, the things I did while I was serving. Right there, my mom burst into tears in the crowd. <laughs> it was quite emotional for me. I look at those pictures today and I and I really smile. They are they are they are moments they are golden moments for me. Yeah. So the, the feeling was ah, the feeling was great. Well, Let me put it that way. That's
0: so so when I stood
1: there and she was done reading my citation, she asked me to come up to the podium where they they presented the you know the award, the state coordinator herself had to handle that particular session and she had to say to everybody how the community had Given me a Yoruba name. They 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 had given me Oluwasewu. <laughs> <Instead of laughs> I I got there. So I was living there, as so Oluwasewu. <laughs> so it was one. <laughs> so it was also one of the. They even asked me to speak Yoruba there. And...
2: <laughs> Are you serious? So it,
1: was really, uh, it was really interesting. It was really a, a wonderful moment for me. So oh, the feeling, right. the feeling great. It, it was really a proud moment because i was the only person who was given that award and it was like and right immediately after the presentation was done you needed to see the media following me about eh, oh, yeah, she celebrity. Oh, wow wow what is happening <laughs> so yeah the feeling was it was great yeah oh that's
0: that's really beautiful
1: We've gone to the end now without, how will I go back now and start all over?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. So now, what really inspired you to start a project account? Because not every call member does it. And I know it's probably because, um, you know, you saw something, you saw an issue, and you're like, you know what, let me prepare a solution and everything. But then there are also core members that come to different camps, see issues, you know, in different local governments, and just pass by. So, what actually, you know, brought about you embarking on this journey?
1: Okay, um, there are three things. I just hope I don't forget the other two. But the first one, the very first one, there is this, um, there is this problem solving uh mentality that follows me about honestly i don't know why it's not like uh i came from a place without problems in fact i was bettered in the midst of problems but wherever i go to there is this you know you must whenever wherever you step into whatever is not going on fine you must find solutions to it so it's a mentality i would believe uh Came naturally, okay. so I did not start when I got there. Mm-hmm. You know, for service, it is something I've been doing ever since. So I'll quickly just cite some examples from um, my university days. Even though I had done some other things before that, I was president of uh, my department, mass communication, in the final year. And before I contested for that office, I had noticed there was a problem at the time. Our department did not have, our association rather, did not have a departmental library. And there were many persons who, who were always looking for books. And I happened to be one of the persons on this list because for me, I'm coming from uh, before you get money to buy books, you must have thought of what you would eat. Mm-hmm. So getting a book at the time, was uh, it doesn't come easy. But I noticed that whenever students graduate, that last semester of their stay on campus, you see some of them throw away. Okay, let me not say throw away. You see some of them leave behind the books they used and not just those who are graduating. There were some other persons who, whenever they pass a particular semester or session and they feel there was no use for that book anymore, they sort of dump it, quote. So I'm the kind of student who resumes school exactly, almost exactly the day of resumption. So whenever <laughs> I get to school, I see books everywhere. I'm like, my goodness. And people are, are, are looking for books. So immediately an initiative came, and that was, you know, to start gathering those books, especially the clean ones, and find a way to, you know, position it where people can have access to it. especially those in my category that uh, couldn't easily buy books at the time. And that same initiative was preferring a solution to the unavailability of a library that we did not have at the time. So there were two things that would happen at the time. Uh, I was providing a library
2: mm-hmm.
1: for the association and I was salvaging the books that were being dumped. So wow. you need to see how people embraced the initiative. Uh, persons decided to volunteer in picking these books up whenever they see books disposed they go there they check for the ones that are you know that are still clean we gather them and we started putting together a library so to cut the story at the end of that initiative we raised over 200 books wow. neat books i still have the pictures today and those books we used it to create the first association's library yeah persons could now access those books, and persons were coming to me before it was standardised. It was in it was always in my room. So you, were, you see, persons coming to knock on my door. Please, I want to check if any of them nice. it was it was it was amazing. So uh, so let me come back to where I digressed from. <laughs> so that's just to mention one of the things I have I have done before coming to Ayegbami. So there yeah. is always this: you must solve a problem wherever you find yourself. That was that's the, the, the first thing, the first motivation. The second thing, at the time, remember I mentioned I was attending the School of Politics, Policy and Governance. Yeah. The founder of that school is Dr. B. Ezekwesi. There was no day in class that you would not hear at least one thing that would move you to action. Because... Mm. That's like one of the core objectives of the school to raise public leaders who are committed to the well-being of, of, of citizens. So we had courses that whenever you listen to the to, to to the faculty who take those courses, you cannot but be moved to action. Yeah. So we we're, were always you know, implored to take responsibility whenever we find ourselves. So the SPPG played a major role as well. That's that has to be the second motivator. Then the third one. The third one. Ah, that's why I prayed I should not forget to. The third one. Okay, maybe I'll remember. Was it just one. genuine oh, concern? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, if I say genuine concern, it, it might it might sound as if the other persons in the community didn't have a genuine concern about you. <laughs> I get the where the you're problems. coming from. So, uh-huh. So, but I know there was there was something else that was that motivated. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, right from camp, yeah. Yeah. We were also implored that as we go to, you know, our host communities, we should ensure we are of service to them. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think that was, I'm not sure if this is the third motivator I'm looking for, but it can pass as as one of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I remember something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually really lovely because the points you mentioned, I actually think that should, you know, inspire you and, you know, keep you going and keep you on the track. Because I'm sure along the journey, it wasn't the easiest, which we're getting into now to the final lap of this episode your project so what project did you embark on tell us all about the project process how you did it what you did exactly how challenging it might have been how easy it was you know I like to learn about it because I don't think I've Mm -hmm. ever spoken to or heard from anyone who actually did a project at camp especially in recent times because I think you served in 2021
1: Yes, 2021. Yeah. finished in 2022. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm going to do the best I can to summarize everything, because it's okay. quite a lot. Okay. Uh, to start with, I started with a road project. Uh, okay. There was, um, at the time, it was called the, the biggest challenge of the community. And I'm saying it because it's a fact, and I have, um, I had to, I had to check the right sources to confirm that that statement is a fact, and it came as, it came from the confession of the community members to execute a project under the NYSE, the first, the first, the very first thing you're expected to do is to check that the project you want to embark on or the problem at hand is a community-felt need. Okay. And it is done in two ways. Number one, it's either you do it through observation, that's you personally observing, or number two, you interacting with community members. So I had to join both. I saw what was happening. I saw the problem on ground, but I needed to be sure because, you know, they say there's this uh, um, adage that, "na person we wear shoe, sure. na know we it's in the pen." So it's possible that gla- it is glaring that this is a problem, but it might not be the topmost problem for them at the time. So I needed to be sure. So when when I when I carried out that interaction process with community members. I didn't do it just in one day. I had to do it on several locations to be sure.
2: Aww. So I
1: went out and met, I spoke with uh, artisans in the community. I spoke with random community members. I spoke with shop owners. I spoke with even the staff in my KPA. I spoke with every person possible I could meet at the time. Even the community leaders. I needed to be shocked. Sure. And that was how we came to realize that this is the biggest problem of the community at the time. And that's the road project. So in Ayik Bame community, if you get there of so that time, they have this uh, challenge of, um, they say it's a godly erosion. So whenever it rains, I remember I said when I went for service, it was the rainy period, yes. rainy season. So whenever it rains, do we see? Uh, it's it's you. You would think the streets starting from where uh, uh, the water comes heavily. You would think that road is a river, but it's actually a road. Wow. And over time, it had caused a gully erosion to the point where a portion of the road was now broken into halves. So whenever it rains you advised to just stay in your house or you find alternative routes if you must go out. That's that particular portion of the road. It's not the entire road from the beginning, but there's a portion where <laughs> whenever I, that particular portion, it was a no-go area, especially whenever it rained heavily. So in my discussions with the persons I have mentioned, that was when they told me that that thing had claimed the lives of two children. Oh, wow. That's the it rained that much and it carried two children away. That's I, when I heard that, my goodness, I because there is nothing that can be compared to a person's life. So hearing that water just came and swept two full human beings away, regardless of the fact that they are kids, Man, I I just could not, ah, it's, it struck me. Struck me to my bones. And that was just not all. That road, the the, the end of that road was supposed to give access to several other communities. But that portion of the road that had broken into halves made that difficult. So even motorbikes can only ply that route when there's no rain when everywhere is dry so i had to i had to another another touching thing was you know when you when you go into streets mm-hmm. you see people who do street trading yeah yeah uh, in fact my mother did that while we were growing up so i know what street trading you know can mean for for people who you know, see it as their own means of livelihood. But because of the condition of that road, those who could have been doing their street trading, they all had to close up. Some of them had to move out to other places because the condition of that road would not allow customers to come in. Or you will just open your shop and you will stay there. And, and when you are tired of staying, you close and you go. And that All of these terrible. things are still things they told me. So it was not just a road problem; it was it was everybody's problem. The condition of that road was affecting every single person in the community, and for me, who is now you know, by the reason of serving there, automatically I'm also a resident in that area. So I'm also one of those who has been been affected or who has been affected by the condition of the road. So it was something I could not just sit back and fold my hands and not do anything. Until today, it amazes me how, how I took the initiative of finding a solution to that problem. Because if you had asked me a month before that, period, if I would ever think of taking up such a project, I wouldn't have believed. Because aside the nature of the project, even the the financial cost, the implication of doing such a thing, I wouldn't have believed. Yeah. But one way or the other, I was moved to take action on Santander Road. So it was the first project I picked up. and going into how uh, it was done well it wasn't uh i would just say god's 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 hands were on it because the first thing i had to do was drawing up a proposal you know under the nyc to execute a project a proposal is one of the first things you must present to your local government inspector and that proposal must state you know the importance of that to the beneficiaries, not just the community, but to the potential sponsors and to the government as well. And that proposal must state your sources of funding the project. The proposal must, you know, mm-hmm. so that was the very first thing after, you know, after doing the needs assessments, that was the next thing I had to go into. Now, in, lab, in developing that proposal, the challenging aspect was drawing up the cost, the budget,
2: mm.
1: for that project. I had mentioned when we started that what I read in 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 the university is mass communication. Yes. Now this is a road project. I did not read engineering. I don't know anything about construction. I've I've never joined two blocks together, let alone building a road. So drawing up a cost for that project was the most challenging during uh, my drawing up of the proposal. So. I had to start seeking the services of um, uh, civil engineers. I think there were about three or four that I, I contracted at the time. To you know, I sent them pictures of the road. Told them the, the, it was a 1.5 kilo, a, a kilometer uh, uh, road. So I had to send them pictures of what it looks like so they can see uh, the level of construction that will be done on it you know, construction varies. If you want to do a new road entirely, the cost of clearing, you know, like,
2: let's yeah. say you want to
1: put a road through a forest, the, the budget for search will not be the same as just a road that got bad and you want to rehabilitate. Gotcha. So I had to send them pictures of the road. They, they had to do their, their own... Uh, Evaluation. They did their own hair. They did all of that. And when I finally... Saw so what the cost of fixing that road was. Okay, so, so what I saw was uh about three hundred million naira. What to put that road in order? I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> three hundred million. And when I saw that, the first I didn't know whether to laugh or whether to or whether to cry or whether to. <laughs> Because yeah. as of the time, there was already this feeling, you know, com- because I had been going around the community meeting people, there was already this feeling that ah, a, they want to die. I don't know. Somebody, somebody's yeah. already showing interest in me. <laughs> and all of those times you will see me put on my khaki, and you'll see me, and you know, there is this, there is this aura that comes with you know being on the NYS uniform. Yes. So that that khaki, whenever I meet the community members, you know, uh, even if you don't know anything about the NYC, you know that it's 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 related to the government. So they see us as uh, government children. So whenever uh-huh. I wear that khaki and I go out and meet with them. There's this feeling that ah, it is actually the government who is who is uh, who is meeting with us and who is trying to find solution to this road. So when I saw that cost. My goodness, 300 million, not even 300 naira, not even even, (laughs) 300,000. That was the first first thing that would have discouraged me. I said, well, uh, for how far I have walked with God, there is one thing that remains unchanged. And that's the fact that there is nothing God cannot do. And there's nothing too big for him, and that was that was what you know ignited the motivation to move on. So I decided to strategize. Now, how do I go and tell the NYC that I want to run a project that would cost three hundred million naira? Who and who am I going to tell to give me three hundred million naira to build a road? What will I tell an organization that will make them? Pull out millions of naira. Now that that community is in in Loring East, yeah. Now it, the community is not in a place where you have, you know, where you have factories and all of that. Aha! Uh-huh. where you have, you know, it, the, the, there's something we call for those for, for those who who have um business ideology. If you are if you want if you are making a business plan, you consider the sighting. You know, mm-hmm. Where that business is cited is one of the things that, that would tell you if you know customers would troop in or not. So that community was disadvantaged. If you talk about something like this, so which organization do that, do I now want to go and tell to come and construct a road that might not be of benefit to them directly? <sighs> so I had to strategize. How do I raise this money? So I remember that. I did not just walk through the University of Benin to to read this, to watch the ceilings there. I -hmm. had to bring in every knowledge I had at the time. And there's something we're told as communication students that you are expected to know something about everything and everything about something. Mm -hmm. So I had to go into seeking knowledge of everything I needed to do. So in strategizing, that was when I adopted advocacy advocacy became the tool that brought everything about now in running an advocacy i decided to after after i dropped that proposal the plan was now to go to organizations tell them what is happening to these people i had as of the time i you know, I was just a com member, and the allowed then is thirty three thousand. Yeah, yeah, there isn't so much, and even at that, you are not allowed under NYC to use your personal funds for God, any project. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not even money from your relatives, not even money from your family. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, you are not allowed. So, in advocacy, I started reaching out to relevant. Agencies that I know would find interest in bringing about the needed solution. So one of the first agencies I targeted was the 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 Ministry of Works in the state.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I started writing. I drew up letters, looked at it, reviewed it, read reviewed it over and over again. I went to my plan at the time was to meet with the Commission of Works in the state. See, as I'm saying these things, yeah. I still get amazed every day how all of these initiatives came about. Because I was just, I was new in the environment, in the city, in the state. Now I'm planning to, to go and see the commissioner of works <laughs> in the state. To tell him to come and do a road of where I just I just arrived, I just got to. Yeah. But I, ref- I refuse to see any discouragement at the time. I was just, my eyes and mind was focused on the objective of the whole thing. And that was finding solution. So I wrote to the commissioner of works. I took the the letter to them. uh, The first time I got there, they told me I can't see him. He's not on seat. uh, He's having a meeting. I was going there almost every week as of the time. And you know, uh, some of these bureaucracies, they are not unexpected. Sometimes you can go there and he's either in a meeting or he's not on seat and it is now minister of works. He's expected to be busy almost all of the time. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to see him in person, but the persons who I was always meeting whenever I go there, I was able to, in fact, I don't even need to tell you so much. Whenever I, once I present the pictures of that road to you, except you're not a human being, you must be touched. (laughs) Right. So in doing all of this, again, I had to. There was there was uh, a colleague of mine who was a co member as well, but he he was into photography, yeah. And I really appreciate him. I've not seen him, I've not seen or met him since we finished because I really want to appreciate him physically because he was one of the persons I told about this thing, and he told me that he would support in his own way. By coming to help me take pictures, so mm-hmm. whenever you see these these projects anywhere and you see the pictures, it was it is that person. His name is Ali Danjuma. Okay. It was him who helped with those pictures. I I printed the hard copies, and those were part of the documents I was attaching to the letters I was taking to, you know, the agencies I was visiting. So, at the Ministry of Works, there, as I was showing them the the pictures, you know, they all got interested in it and they told me, yes, they have, you know, the whenever the commissioner is on seat, I'm going to present it to him and they would give me a uh, notice. But that isn't where the solution came from. In waiting uh, on the feedback from the ministry, I recall that, you know, passing through the University of Benin under the mass communication department, we are also taught about the power of the media. Mm-hmm. We understand that the media has the power to, to give life to anything. That's its status ability. It can make anything prominent in a twinkle of an eye. I adopted that initiative as well. I started writing to media organizations in the state. I wrote to NTA Loring. I wrote to Kwara State Television. I wrote to and I was not just writing, I was writing and taking the letters myself, going all the journey to all of these stations to present the letter to them, present the situation to them. I got to NTA they directed me to the head of the head of news. I got there. Once I bring out the pictures, you're already interested. So, and as God may have it, as of the time, NTA they 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 had this session of their program where they focus on community development. Oh. so at the time that that what I brought to them was like content you know a content creator yeah. that <laughs> so they got very interested and we agreed the date when they would come down to the community to do a coverage of the road from there I went to Quaras uh, the television we did the same thing another day I went to Subi FM this one now is a radio station now to quote the story when NTA learning came, I had informed I had uh, uh, informed the community leaders and community members about their coming. So everybody was on ground. So when they came in, they did a coverage of the road, and at the end of the day, it was reported in their news the night of that day. And you know, NTA is you know, it's a, it's a federal government uh, yeah. uh, media, so you can imagine the kind of reach. Mm-hmm. But that news had another day. Uh, it was Kwara State Television that did theirs. Although I had to take the recording that we had done to them, to their own station for Sobe FM. What we did was a live transmission. That's you know when you go to a radio station and you see and uh, you see those who are on air. You see they enter into a particular room, but for this particular case. The transmission was done from the community. They had to bring, they had to bring their, their their vehicle down to the community. And it was a Saturday. So every almost everybody was outside that day. Yeah. We were all speaking into the radio in, directly into the radio station. We were calling on everybody that bothered to hear us that day. This is what we are facing People you know, should come and help us. And all the Yoruba I had in me. Was coming out that I didn't know, even know what I was speaking, but everybody was <laughs> feeling me. <laughs> so, as I was doing all of that, I was also writing to the uh, the community leaders, that's those who are holding political offices that are from the community. I I, I met with the the essay to the governor on strategy. I gave him the proposal, gave him everything. I also uh, reached out to the House of Reps uh, member representing that that community. His name is Alaji Abduganiw Kuku Olododo. Yeah. So as I was exploring all of these options, as God may have it, it is that House of Reps member that it was from him that the solution finally came. I really, you know, would want to appreciate the representative of the community at the House of Reps uh, uh the House of Representatives. Yeah. Because he added the construction of that road to his 2021 budget. So the wow. budget was made for that road and its construction started, I think, exactly one month after I spoke with him. I think exactly one month. That was so fast. Wow. Yes. And that was that was in, in, in September 2021. That was when construction of that road started. And it lasted for, I think, four months. Four months max. Because by January of 2022, were doing they were doing the, the, were doing the, the final stages of,
2: yes, of construction,
1: construction. Yeah. so he he really let me see you know, many persons would say he's the community's representative now is that not what they are expected to do but we we know that it takes somebody who you know who is also willing to to do what is expected of them for them to step in. That is why whenever I talk about that road project, I really want to, have, I really appreciate him because if he did not step in at that time, I, I honestly did not know. I will still give all the glory to God because it is God who <laughs> who moves men. <laughs> right. So yeah, I really appreciate him for, for stepping in. Yeah. I, like, I think he's, I don't know if that is his full name, but Honorable Alaji Ab yeah I think he has he has left office now yeah he has left office now but he was the House of reps member as of the time so that is how the miracle of that road construction came about so when 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 the news went out I I know of persons who were thinking ah also where, where did ovina get money to to 200 million? In fact, people from my place were like, ah. He's so not this man well. elsewhere, and He did not come and construct in our, <laughs> in our, in our place. So, so whenever I say this, this story, I say it with every joy because I'm really grateful to God that it, it was a success. Because I didn't know I would, have, I would have felt really bad if all of the efforts were futile. But as God may have it, everything worked out perfectly. And I would not want to undermine the level of stress and the mm-hmm. level of effort I had to put in. Because everything, in, in 24 hours that we have in a day, I can't, I can't count how many minutes I have to my personal self mm-hmm. because I must not neglect my primary, uh, primary responsibility at, 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 my, at the school, yeah? So it was always from school straight to the field the the, the the construction site or to the the places i was looking for sponsorships from and from there straight to class in the sppg so the whole service here was i was heavily i was heavily
0: busy know that you laughed when i asked about social life
1: ah hmm. uh. And I fell sick on so many occasions. And, you know, this is just the road construction. There's another project too. And I hope you have time for that one too.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can yeah. take like a summary. That could, yeah.
1: Mm. Okay. So uh, the second project, I started it during, look, like, I think it was when, when um, just before the construction work started. That was when I took up that initiative. And because there was another problem, you know, I said I did needs assessment. So I had the problems of the community or the needs of the community listed somewhere. So this particular one happened to be like, should I say, the second on the list as of the time. Mm -hmm. So it is the problem of improper waste disposal. Throughout that period, I fell really ill. Uh, uh. I I had malaria so I was always going to the community clinic beside my beside the, the accommodation that was given to me so I started asking how come because it was not just me most you know, so of the time many persons in the community so is this is this is this you know really a problem at the time so I had mm-hmm. to start doing another round of research to be sure so And that was when I got information that at least one person was treated for malaria every single day. And this one now, this one is just from one of the clinics where I interviewed the, the lead person there. He said, as far as that clinic is concerned, there must be at least one case of malaria steadily. So, I started tracing where that problem was coming from and discovered it was actually the improper waste disposal system. Because even when I was staying in that accommodation, we don't have, there is no, the only way of disposing waste was to dump it almost in front of where I was staying, where I was living. Then when they feel it has become too full, they now gather and and they burn it. Wow. But before it gets to that burning phase, you 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 needed to see how messed up the, the whole environment usually is, as of the time. So I got I I took the research further. I started going into the the, the nooks and that's the whole part of the community. And that was when I saw that almost every open space was used as dump site.
2: Oh.
1: That's there's no proper way of disposing waste at all. Yeah. So that thing was not aiding the prevalence of malaria. Mm,
2: so of, that was oh, okay.
1: this is this is the next thing to take up. So in pushing that project, it was in two phases. The first phase was organizing um a cleanup campaign. Okay, actually the, the 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 title of that project is hashtag cleanup. Ayikban. So It was done in two phases. The first phase was organizing a sensitization program. Now, Mm -hmm. under that sensitization program, um, uh, I organized um, a sensitization um, that's marching around the community, clearing visible waste that we could see, Mm -hmm. and educating them about the effects of disposing with uh, waste in, in an improper manner and the effect it was having on the residents of the community. So I had to work with relevant um, agencies at the time. Uh, that sensitization was done for three days. The first day I had um, reached out to call members in Illinois. So on that first day of the sensitization, we had gotten cardboard papers, we had gotten waste bags, Brooms, rigs. Yeah. So, I you know, whenever you see members in group, it draws attention. So that was uh, one of the strategies I had to employ. So as we marched around the community that day, we got the attention of community members. They were seeing us sweeping, cleaning everywhere, educating them, sensitizing them about what that improper uh, system, uh, waste disposal system, was was. Yeah. Because the they was have to be enlightened
0: to keep it up. Yeah.
1: So the 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 second day I had gone to four different schools in the community and asked the, the authorities of the school to please give me four, four students from their schools. Uh, sorry, ten, 10, students from their schools. And the idea is, you know, as we say, children are the, the leaders of tomorrow. So yeah. I wanted them to see because it's easier if you if you tell a child something in school, when they get home. You, you you see them telling to their parents. If you tell a child, throwing a paper in front of your door is wrong, when they get home, you see them telling the... So I needed to cascade that education, not just for community members, but I needed to get to children as well. And students were you know, my main target. So for the second day of the sensitization, I marched around with students. If you go to my Twitter page, if you see the stories about these projects, you will see videos where... Uh, myself and the children were going around. Where uh, let me just cut the story short. The yeah. third day, I uh, the third day was a medical outreach. I had contracted organizations who had given me um, uh, medical equipment. They provided, you know, all this um, face mask, um, yeah. hand glue. They brought. There were those who brought um injections there were those who brought drugs because i told them there were persons in the community who were already sick of this thing so we had organizations who who even brought medical personnel i can i think i can remember some of their names um in the community because nyc encourages you to make sure the community is involved in every project so for that cleanup exercise for that medical outreach there is a community-based organization known as All-Round Helping Hands Foundation in that community. So I, I had you know, written to them, they provided uh, some of the materials we used. Um, there was another organization, F uh, F F I O or something, I can't really remember, but I know mm-hmm. there's, there's Ibrahim. Ibrahim, something Ibrahim organization. So they brought medical personnel. Were, uh, there was another organization known as, as Trash Haters. They brought uh, other equipment as well. So that day was mainly for a medical outreach. So we brought community members together. They were all tested. Those who had symptoms of malaria, they were given drugs. Those who, you know, who had, uh, those who were already sick, they were given prescription. They did all sorts of tests for them. Even the, even the ones we did not plan for. We even had that's to go so and buy nice. extra drugs. Wow. you That's that. That's why I say um, my whole service here was just, I didn't live for myself at all. You really served. All. You really after served. That, after that first phase of the project, the next phase was now waste evacuation itself. So I had contracted an organization known as Food and Beverage Recycling Alliance, FBRU. Actually, mm-hmm. I got that organization as a recommendation by one of my colleagues in the STPG. So the SPPG really opened me up to a wonderful network of persons who, as I was telling them the things I needed, they were they were giving me an array of options. So it was one of my colleagues at the SPPG who linked me to that Food and beaver Recycling Alliance. Now this FBROA, they produced six giant recycle bins for that community and they made provision for 101,000 naira. That was the money I needed to complete the one I had raised at the time, because I had drawn up a budget of uh, about 121000 and the mm. community had raised, raised 20000 just to show you how involved the community were. So for everything I was doing at the time, the community were, they were playing their own role. And before I wow. go out, tell anybody about anything there, I must have gotten an attestation letter from the community. Now, on that letter, you will see them saying, that, yes, they acknowledge that this thing is their problem, and this Mr. Robin Nagibel is saying he wants to help them. Please, wherever you see this letter, help us. So I got that letter before I go out to anybody. So the community was very, very, very involved in everything. So you yes, raised raising that money for that second project. They raised 20000 around on their own. So FBROA provided the remaining money and provided the six giant recycle bins that if you go to today you will see those bins mounted in six different locations in that community so that second uh in doing that they also provided an evacuation truck that was coming to the community on the last saturday of every month to evacuate general waste mm-hmm. now the recycled bins were used to collect recyclables majorly plastics yeah uh, there was one research that said that it would take up to 500 years for a plastic bottle to completely decompose. So uh, uh, um, plastic bottles needed to, or they need to, be recycled. So that was what those recycle bins uh, are meant for. Yeah. So they are mounted in different locations in the community. So whenever you are throwing, you are disposing waste, you pick the recyclables and you put it inside that bin. Then mm-hmm. that evacuation truck... Without come and gather the general waste Ooh. and take them away. Amazing. <sighs> so, at some point, the children in the community were calling me, uh, what was that? Because they were <laughs> always see me packing the tea. And <laughs> so, so, every now and then you see me go around the community, packing the tea, clearing uh, their gutters and the likes. My dear, it was a lot. But as God may have it. uh, The story today is 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 sweet to tell.
0: Yeah, it sounds
1: like a lot. It was also a lot. And we thank God for the success of it all. Yeah. Wow.
0: First of all, a round of applause for you. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's been a while you did this, but like Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful to Mm -hmm. hear the impact you had. Because building a road is not easy. We know what it takes Mm -hmm. for us to get even the government to build roads in certain places so for that also happen within your NYSEA that's absolutely beautiful and I've actually learned a lot about like the processes like you can't just do because we had a conversation yeah. with TLC Godwin I don't know if your episode is going to come before his or after but he was talking about how he wanted to start a project um, to build a public toilet but like you know you know, you yeah. need to figure out what exactly your community needs and the other there.
1: Uh, I I, I, I must mention that this, this person you just mentioned now happens to be my best friend. And uh-huh. in all of these projects, Toyosi played very significant roles. He was there. He was serving in Nasarawa. I was serving in Kwara. But it was almost as if we were in the same place because Toyosi was heavily vested in the projects I was doing. He was always... even. When we're having those, um, when we're having those live coverages and yeah. live transmissions. Huh? That's the media, the, the, the media session. Following up with what is happening, you see. <laughs> Check my picture. The last part of that road project, you see where I said, Toyosi Godwin uh, is part of the success of this project because yeah. he gave massive support. So I cannot entirely talk about the, this project without mentioning Toyosi. Toyosi was very much present, you know. So, and it really, it saddened me that he his could not put through over there. And But because he, we, we share, we sort of share the same mentality. Yeah. And he is also someone who, who solves problems. So, <laughs> So that yeah. works
0: really well. But it's still beautiful mm-hmm. to see even like the mentality, you know, towards NYSE, which is something that a lot of people need to adopt whenever they're posted places. Like it's like wherever you can help, try your best to like put in some form of efforts and aid. And I'm really, really happy to hear this. And I feel like it's going to encourage a lot more coppers coming up. to so not just see it as, okay, yes, NYC is stressful and all of that, but also see it as an opportunity mm-hmm. to help you know, with the betterment of the country, because to be honest, it really starts mm-hmm. from all of us. Yeah. Um. I also like to ask, right, your NRC experience, it was amazing, it was beautiful. But after that, right, because I'm sure everything you did played a huge role in who you are today. So after oh. that, um, what will you say Um, has guided your career path now, the career path you're on?
1: Yeah, so uh, I cannot say I'm totally done with the community because <laughs> there were things I I continued doing after my service here. Oh,
2: beautiful!
1: Immediately I finished from from that place. Um, I had visited the community. I think one or two months later. To, yeah, to check on them, and to see how that cleanup project was. You know. Because I had to ensure that there was a sustainability plan on ground Mm
2: -hmm. before I
1: left uh, service. So on that visit, I met a child in that community. His name is Okay.
0: That
1: boy, I met him at, uh, uh, he he was in a mechanic workshop that was directly opposite the principal of my then PPE, opposite his house. That was where this boy was working as a mechanic. This boy is 13 years old and I learned that he dropped out of school in primary three. He was attending the community's primary school. but because the parents could not pay school fees, a, a very paltry sum of sum of money in the name of school fees the parents could not pay and he had to drop out. So he resorted wow. to being a mechanic and I after hearing that, I just could not, I just could not look away. Yeah. So even though this was now post NYSE, I took him up as my next project. And I started reaching out to organizations that can help because I know some organizations who, you know, provide such support for, for you know, indigent children, mm-hmm. and the likes. And that was when I reached out to, I don't know if you know uh, Tunde Onakoya, the convener of Chess and Slums Africa. You heard of chess and slums on Twitter? Chess and sl- yeah. Can you hear me? Um, uh-huh. under the so, bridge, because I think yes, system- exactly. yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Aha. So, so I wrote to to them, and God yeah. helping me, Tunde they responded, and just to quote the whole story, Tajuddin is now on scholarship, oh,
2: wow. and
1: he's schooling. He is schooling in where I served as PPA, so he is directly under the supervision of that my principal, as I speak to you. So Tajudin is now back to school, and I did not just, you know, leave him to those who are sponsoring him. I still personally, you know, fund some of his, you know, his books and writing materials from time to time. That is why I say I'm not. Uh, uh, totally done with <laughs> with the community, so he's wow. still on that scholarship even up till now. So aside that, um, one of the organizations I work with, um, Hadis Foundation, uh, there is this there is this project that I'm anchoring for them, uh, and that's under um, creating safe spaces. That's finding solutions to sexual and gender based violence. One of the oh, initiatives beautiful. is the creation of gender equity and social inclusion clubs in secondary schools. So I saw it because it was focused on, 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 that's on the northern part of the country and it took effect from Kwara State. I had to, since they are creating these things in secondary schools, I had to ensure I bring my PPA on board as well. So as I speak to you, my PPA is also a beneficiary and part of that program that is ongoing. So. I can't say I'm totally done with, with Ayik Bami. <laughs> wow. so Ayik Bami have been following me up and down everywhere mm-hmm. I go to. Yeah. I think it's so, really good uh,
2: they have
1: me. Um, on the other side, uh, I presently work with um, the School of Politics, Policy and Governance. That's another beautiful story I will tell another day mm-hmm. because I migrated from being a student to becoming a staff. And uh, that, that story will be for another day. <laughs> so, Wow. So I don't spend any, any extra time here. But it has been beautiful all around. I can't begin to count the number of prayers that has gone on my head, only from that community alone. Right, right when I was uh, rounding off you know, youth service, you need to see the, the gifts I got. The whole community, that's the community association, uh they 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 did a very they did a, a very wonderful <laughs> a nice frame for me the youth association did theirs. they presented it as a, uh, as a as as an award during their youth there's this annual youth association celebration they hold
2: okay. the
1: students of my ppa class by class gave me gifts ah, honestly i it's been wonderful That is why I take my time to implore PCMs, that's prospective Mm co-members, to not shy away from service. See, the first thing is, when you're ready to go for NYC, just erase that aspect of seeking relocation or something. Because NYC is for you to serve. yeah? Yeah. And I think that is one of the things it is, one of the motives for going for NYC is one of the things we need to correct. Because many persons now see it as, oh, make I just go there, make I just collect this 33K by the end of the month. Right. No, NYC, NYC is, is for, for me, okay, I will speak for myself. The whole NYC period happened to be a redefining period for me. That was when, in fact, self-discovery became clearer you know, vision, pathway, career path, many things became clearer for me. I, I discovered a lot of strengths I have and can explore. In fact, it was, it was, ah, how best will I describe it? It's, it's, it was literally an eye-opener for me. And I believe it can be the same for, me, for every other person who, you know, who, who goes under this scheme yeah because mm-hmm. you are going you are sent to a place where possibly you might, you, might, you might have not been to that place before because i am from enugu state mm-hmm. i lived in, in lagos state i schooled in edo state now i was posted to kwara state so you can imagine so i had to go to a new environment entirely and god helping me i was able to do such exploits. so it is it should be the same yeah this is mm-hmm. my own thinking should be the same for every prospective core member. See youth service as a time to, you know, to give, to to give your best. Yeah. Yeah. Take it up as, as a challenge to, you know, explore your strengths and abilities, and you'd be amazed at the results you would get. Even, uh, was it about two weeks ago? I called for, I I organized a Twitter space where I spoke to. You know, prospective co-members and those who are serving already. And as I speak to you, there are persons who have undertaken projects. There is one particularly that I can point out any day and time, who is presently undertaking the processes of uh, um, executing a project, and I am following up with him every single step of the way. Right now, he has gotten to the stage of building up a proposal. That's where we are at at the moment, and Amazing. I am I'm committed to seeing it through to the end with him because it's, it's a passion I have. You see, community development should not be left to just the government.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've had somebody tell me, okay, if, if co members do all the development, what will the government not do? I said, you are not far from the truth that this governor should be doing these things, but we'll, we'll, let's look at our realities. Yeah. As it stands now, can we leave everything to the government? As it stands now, can we leave everything to the government? so we can only but help ourselves yeah. so the youth the, the NYC scheme even though it has not you know directly favored every single person that has gone through the scheme those who know its 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 value those who know how to use it and they use it well they see results at the end of the day mm-hmm. during that twitter space there was somebody who was in the in the uk as of the time that guy won the President's Honors Award under NYSE and he was he was studying on scholarship and he had gotten an automatic employment by the federal government just by the NYSE. Amazing. So the NYC is a tool that will yield results for you if you understand how to use it and use it effectively. So it's it's something I'm committed to raising more, you know, more um uh what do they call us now change agents yeah. yeah people who rise to taking responsibility people who are committed to you know developing um communities where they step into because there is power in one person's voice yeah i got to a by me without knowing anybody there i remember mentioning that as of the time to the best of my knowledge i was the only ego christian yeah, okay, I didn't so. look at I didn't look at the the differences we had at the time. All I needed to do was to speak up, mm-hmm. take action, and today we have results to to show for it. So
0: amazing! Yeah, wow. This has been a wholesome conversation. To be honest, we've spoken for hours, and not hours, but like we've spoken for a while. And I've really learned a lot. I'm sure that our listeners have learned a whole lot as well. And I'm really impressed by everything you've been able to do because this is not, you know, an ordinary fit. I will not, you know, ignore the fact that God played a major factor in all of this as well. So to wrap up, I just want to say thank you, Obina, for being a guest. Thank you for everything you did for the academic community. Thank you for even, you know, agreeing to take out time to record this because I know how busy you must be. <laughs> So the fact that it could give some time to record this really means a lot. Uh, so where can they find you if they would like to contact
1: you on social media? Yeah, um, honestly, I'm not so active on social media. But my go to my my very first go to handle is, is is Twitter. Okay. Gabriel Obinna six on Twitter. Okay. That is the most active I can be if you talk about social media. It's just from time to time that I make posts on other platforms, Facebook, Instagram, but my Twitter is more. It's more frequent than the others. Yeah, so awesome. you can message me on, on Twitter. Uh, my email is yeah. obituku 2019 at gmail.com. You can send an email. And yes, let's drop minds. Let us let let's pack change. Together. In where you're going to start? Yeah, so Amazing. let's connect. And let's do amazing things.
0: Yeah. All right. That's beautiful. So please reach out to him if you're part of the Spark Change Agents. Me too, I'm
1: part of them, but in my own way, you know, I'm bringing you the content. Sorry to cut you, but there, 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 there are names that, whenever these projects come up, especially when it's, it's going out to the public, there are names I must not forget to mention. And this, this person happens to be, you know, a, a, a fellow core member at the time, but He was the one who helped with um, the graphics, the video editing. And his name is, uh, 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 am I forgetting this boy's name? Oh, forgive me.
0: But shout out to him. I'm sure he knows himself.
1: Yeah, shout out to him. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name.
0: But we'll come back, you will come back. Um, If you remember, you could just text me so I'll see how I can add it in like the comment, I mean the caption of the episode. But on this note, I'll have to wrap up. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you learned a lot. I think before this episode starts, I'll say get a pen and paper.
1: Yes, sorry. His first name is Alamide. (laughs) I was mention his name, I'm very sorry because this helped me. They mm-hmm. had nothing to benefit directly, but they helped me with their skills. Uh, I don't know how many of us know Joshua Selman.
2: Yeah.
1: He, he 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 mentions that part of the people you need in your life are gifted people. So these are persons who really helped me with their gifts, and I must I must recognize and appreciate them. His name is Olamide. I can't oh, remember yeah. his surname now, but I greatly appreciate it. Olamide or also. Yeah, but well, his first name is Salaamide. Many thanks. If you ever get to hear this, my brother, I'm very grateful. Thank you for blessing me with your skills. Thank you, Ali Danjuma. Yeah, I'm very grateful. Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you to Yoshi.
0: <laughs> All right. So, these guys, i would even try to specify that she gave pen and paper before they start listening because there's so much to learn. It wouldn't that I'm like, you know, halfway through my service here. I've learned a whole lot as well. So on this note, I'd like to say, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Do not forget to like, share with your friends. Check out our YouTube channel, The Copper Files on Instagram. Also, The Copper Files podcast. And yeah, I'll see you guys in another episode. My name remains Kemi Adiru, your host. And have a lovely rest of your day. Bye.